This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Leonis Martin with a walk-off. Two run home run. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here again as we inch closer to opening day. It is on the horizon now, just a handful of days away until the opening of the 2017 Major League Baseball season. Felix Hernandez took his final turn, his last appearance, his final tune-up before he takes the ball on opening day. Touch on that in a moment. Also, I've uh, been digging into Felix Hernandez. You know, this is going to be his 10th opening day start in a Mariners uniform, and there's quite a bit of history there. I'm going to bring that up on a podcast coming up. Uh, It's pretty impressive what he has done in a Mariners uniform. Obviously, it's something we talk about all the time, but specifically with opening days, it's pretty eye-opening when you compare him to what other pitchers have done through the years. Our AOS previews will continue today. Today, we're going to touch on the Angels, a team, if you look around at some national previews, they're a team that is getting some love as a surprise team. Should they be? We're going to talk about that coming up in a few minutes as well. Also, I had a request for the full uh, inning that Tim Kirchin was on on the broadcast, so that's going to come up as well. Really good stuff, especially him talking about Edgar Martinez. That's something that you're really going to enjoy. So the full inning will come up at the end of the podcast. But Felix Hernandez, his final tune-up in Arizona. Felix was really good. Uh, probably the, the highlight of the day for, for me. You know, we knew we were going to have an abbreviated outing for him today, and that's about as sharp as he's been. Stuff was good. Sequencing was good. So he's, he's in a really good spot. Mariners lost the game to the Diamondbacks, but Mike Zanino continues what has been a very impressive spring. Here's the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball into the breeze. Left field. This is long gone. Over the bullpen, up by the concourse in left. Zanino gets every bit of that. A two-out, two-run bomb out to left field. The Mariners trying to inch back in. It's now 10-5 Diamondbacks. So just think about this now. The next time you see Felix Hernandez will be on the mound in the opener. The opener against the Houston Astros. How about that? Just days away now as the King will take the mound. Right now, let's continue with our AOS previews. Let's talk about the Angels. Now we're going to talk some Angels with Josh Mayhood. You can find him at halosheaven.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. That's the same Twitter account to follow as well, Halo's Heaven. And Josh, I'm pretty interested to talk to you about the Angels for this season, but a piece that you just wrote really caught my eye about 
the importance for the Angels for the next five seasons. Talk about what you were referring to when you wrote that. Uh, yeah, we, what we had going on over at Halos Heaven was kind of a season preview that we've been working out, and we're slowly rolling out some season preview articles. But looking at the 2017 team, I did kind of notice um, – it's a really interesting situation that they're in where it seems like it's zero year. So they've kind of they've kind of gone away from all the tumultuous drama and, you know, the bad press and also just the regular old bad baseball decisions that plagued them from the past five years. And it seems like this year they finally have kind of reached a homeostasis where everything's kind of okay there's actually smiles in the dugout there's smiles you know with all the fans that i talk to on a regular basis there's for the first time in a few years that there's you know less acrimony towards the team than than we've seen in a while so it made me think about what is next for this team you know i think that they're going to be sneaky good in 2017 but when i started looking at the bigger picture you notice that these things are coming up on the horizon that are going to be felt throughout the franchise for, you know, years and years to come. And it's all happening in the next five years. And those main things that I hit upon were um, obviously, you know, they got to get back to winning. And that's mainly because they've got a whole generation of fans now that were growing up used to seeing the Angels win a division, you know, every year, every couple of years in the 2000s. And now they're, you know, now they've kind of gone through a dry spell. I mean, they did get to the playoffs in 2014, but they got booted, you know, in four games or, you know, three quick games against the Royals. So it wasn't really much of a playoff appearance there, but they've got to get back to winning in that in the next five years. Uh, they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Albert Pujols or, you know, we may even see a time come where, they have to get rid of Pujols or, you know, send them packing. Of course, they'll still be on the hook for his salary, which, I mean, they've. it's kind of mind-blowing whenever I think about that they're going to be paying out with Pujols $30 million in the year 2021. Uh, so they've got plenty of stuff that's going to, you know, he's going to be an issue for them the next five years, uh, you know, the remainder of his contract. He's actually, you know, exactly halfway through his deal right now. And on top of that, they got the whole Mike Trout situation. So, uh, you know, we're going to see whether or not Mike Trout goes for greener pastures or if they can get things going in the next five years, then, you know, he may want to stick around. There's going to be other teams when his deal's up. And, you know, again, that's in, uh, I believe it's 2020. So the next five years, just for those reasons, I say I I just really think it's a it's a watershed moment for the franchise where Billy Epler this year we're going to see the actual you know Billy Epler team as envisioned by him. Last year was supposed to be a dry run, but I mean with all their injuries they had, we really didn't even get a chance to see their potential. But uh, you know, like I said, I think they're going to be sneaky good this season. But he's kind of put in place all these pieces you know on top of that also building rebuilding the farm system over the next five years is going to be crucial to their success going beyond that obviously so they're in a really interesting spot with uh you know just the tenor that you're seeing coming out of the front office and the mood that you're that we're feeling as fans coming from stuff that Artie Marino the owner has said which I mean really it's 
you know, the less he says, the better. And that's what he's been saying lately. And, you know, he's finally kind of getting out of the way of himself and the team and letting Billy Epler and his whole new office of the GM, quote unquote, uh, you know, take care of all the baseball stuff. It's, it's really kind of a, it's a strange place to be because like I said, there's a lot of angels fans that were kind of weaned on winning baseball throughout the two thousands. And, now they're getting a taste of what all the fans in the 70s and 80s, 90s, you know, what they had to deal with. And going forward from here, the next five years is going to really shape how people, fans, you know, the sports media in general perceive the Angels going on into, you know, for the 2020 and beyond. Well, you mentioned the Angels being sneaky good this year, and that's an opinion that you start looking at. Lists uh, around the country of teams that could surprise, and the Angels find themselves on lists like that uh, coming into this season. If the Angels are going to be threatening for a playoff spot, a contender in the division, what has to go right this year for the Angels? Oh, man, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing is they're going to have to get something out of their starting pitching and their bullpen. Because right now, I mean, that's when, that's still one of the biggest question marks. I'm talking about the bullpen right now. Going into spring training, most people really didn't have any idea what it was going to look like opening day. And here it is, you know, we're March 23rd. We're, uh, you know, a little over a week, maybe like 10 or 11 days from opening day. And, you know, honestly, we still don't really have an idea. We're, there's going to have to be some stepping up of – players or some emergence of, of guys like Cam Bedrosian and, uh, you know, maybe even, you know, Alex Meyer getting moved to the pen. Andrew Bailey had a good season last year at the Halos, so maybe he can do something. But I think the lineup is going to be good. They've got a potent lineup. I'm not worried at all about that. And actually, for once, I'm not worried about their bench pieces because I think, uh, you know, the the Luis Valbuena pick up and as well, you know, that's going to give flexibility with either playing CJ Crone or Valbuena. They got Ben Revere on the bench as a fourth outfielder. If something happens to Cameron Mabin, I'm not really worried at all about the lineup. It's just strictly pitching, like whether it's the starting rotation or the bullpen, uh, they're going to have to stay healthy for one, which, uh, you know, last year they had three starting pitchers, get knocked out for the whole season and beyond due to some UCL injuries. And it's not what you want to see. And on top of that, they also had, uh, you know, a couple injuries in the bullpen, Houston street, who, you know, is most people would think it would be their closer just because Mike social really likes his veterans. Um, you know, he's injured right now. So he's probably not going to be able to even throw a baseball until, you know, a week or so into the season, let alone getting back to it. So if I'm worried about one thing, it's the pitching. So if we can get some quality starts out of Garrett Richards, if Garrett Richards comes and pitches like the ace, we've kind of been waiting to see him emerge as, you know, the past two or three seasons. It sometimes gets, we see a little glimpse of it and then he gets injured. Uh, you know, if Garrett Richards is ace-like and if Matt Shoemaker can pick up where he left off before he had that freak, uh, you know, take a line driver to his head, which, you know, I'm sure Mariners fans were kind of gasping for air on that one. That was a really scary situation. So, you know, before that, he was rocking and rolling out there on the mound. So it's going to come down to 
those guys, it's going to come down to Garrett Richards, Matt Shoemaker. They're going to have to get something out of their fifth starter, who we don't even know who it is exactly right now. It's probably going to be Jesse Chavez. But I would say they're going to have to have a lot of things going right on the pitching mound. And you mentioned the bullpen a little bit. You mentioned the Houston Street injury. Is Bedrosian going to be the guy? If if you had to, I guess, uh, predict who's going to have the most saves for the Angels this year, who do you think it's going to be? Um, yeah, you know, I kind of see – I definitely – you know, I had to fill out a, a, a roster sheet today for SB Nation. The mothership was doing a uh, – SBNation.com was – they were doing a uh, season preview, so I actually had to fill out a roster sheet for them, and I put in the closer role. I put Cam Bedrosian, so that's the faith I have in, in him going forward. They've given him lots of chances over the past couple seasons, and you know, honestly, Halo 7 was a little tough on him. If you looked at our stuff that we wrote about him in like 2015 and then early 2016, there wasn't a lot of faith there, but then he kind of blew us all away with – his performance in 2016 up until he got injured, of course, and he's had a good spring. Of course, you know, I'm not sure how many people put stock in those spring training stats. I'm not really, you know, I barely put stock in him, but he's pitched in, he's appeared in nine games, I think eight innings pitched and he's yet to give up a walk or a run. So he's feeling some sort of groove. And I think that's going to be, the closing situation for 2017, at least on opening day. And Houston Street's going to have to come back, and he's going to have to win his job back, most likely. When you look at the Angels, and of course Mike Trout is just a superstar, the best in the game going right now, and you alluded to it a little bit, but how much pressure do you think is on the organization to put together a winning franchise while Trout is in an Angels uniform? Um... Let's see. I would say as far as pressure goes, they could, um, you know, it's they're basically at the bottom of the Mariana Trench right now. Hmm. And with all the weight of the Atlantic Ocean on them, that's pretty much the pressure <laughs> that the front office and Mike Sosha, everyone involved, Billy Epler, Artie Marino, that's what they're feeling because those – you know, are the Angels wasting Mike Trout? Those articles are going to persist until they do something with him. And I think that they're going to feel the heat. Uh, you know, if they don't win something this year, then it's every season subsequently after 2017, it's just going to be more and more of a pressure cooker. And you risk losing, like you said, best player in the game, possibly. I think he's best player in the planet. I love Mike Trout. If the Angels ever lose him, I don't know how that's something that a franchise could ever come back from. Mm. Now, they did say, or, you know, when I say they, I say, I mean, Artie Marino in this case, uh, they're going to be willing and ready to spend some hardcore dinero come this winter when they hit that vaunted 2018 free agent class. So if we don't see them get a playoff spot, maybe sneak in as a wild card or maybe things come together and they win a division this season. It's going to alleviate a little bit of that, but if, you know, and I think they're still going to be big spenders, but if they finish third or fourth again this season and, you know, they keep getting those middling returns from, you know, all their other big star guys like Albert Pujols, then you're going to see a mad dash to 
put whoever they can around Mike Trout just so they don't risk destroying their franchise because you don't lose a Mike Trout guy. You just don't. If you let Mike Trout go to, you know, I always say he wants to be a Philly maybe because he's, you know, he was a Philly fan growing up. Yankees would love to have him. Any team is going to go crazy for that guy. And if they don't do anything soon, then you're going to see him go for greener pastures. And like I said, it's, I don't even know how you really come back from, from that as a fan, that would be, you know, that would be cataclysmic. So I think the pressure is immense on them. I think they're feeling it. I do think Mike Trout, the interesting thing about him is you can almost see it on his face sometimes that he kind of gets it. You know, he knows that he's toiling away on a team that's been underperforming for a couple seasons in a row now. They have these public meltdowns between their manager and the GM. There's, uh, you know, they, they got the ownership that says these kind of dumb remarks. They totally boff the Josh Hamilton situation. And that's not what your star player wants, all this drama. And on top of that, people are hounding him about, you know, are you wasting your years with this team? And I think winning the MVP award last season kind of took the, a little bit of, of the pressure off Mike Trout. He's been smiling and kind of been more jovial than I've seen him in a long time. And, you know, it's it's kind of given him the the respect that he thought he deserves, but maybe he didn't think he got just because he's on such a, a middling team like the Halos. So it's kind of moving in the right direction, but they got to do something in the next few years. You know, they got to win not only for the fans, but they're going to have to win to keep Mike Trout. Well, for this year specifically, what's your thumbnail on how the division shapes up? Ooh, it's tough. It's really tough. I, you know, I'm I'm inclined to say that the Angels are going to win the division. They're probably going to win 99 games, and then um, then I wake up from my dream, <laughs> and reality hits. <laughs> and I realized that it's going to be a dogfight. The uh, the AL West is no longer a cakewalk whatsoever. I remember the halcyon days of seeing the Astros come to the division and being like, oh, good, now we got another team to beat up on. But no, that's not how it's panned out. Um, I would say they do have a shot at getting a wild card, no doubt about it. I, you know, I really think it's up for grabs, but the Mariners, you know, they your Mariners have done a lot to improve themselves. I think the Astros are going to be as tough as ever. I mean, if you look at most projections or season previews from the bigger outlets, then you'll see that the Astros are a darling of sports writers right now as far as who they think is going to win the World Series in 2017. And the Rangers, you know, the Rangers improved too. They're not going to be an easy – an easy team to face on a regular basis. So I think it's going to be close. I sometimes, you know, I, I don't know. It's I can see them easily winning, uh, you know, like maybe 88 games or so, but I don't know if that's going to, you know, I'm not even sure that would be enough to, to get them to the promised land. I think some of those projections I've seen, I'll take. I like the Fangraphs projections the most, mainly because they have the Angels finishing second place. So <laughs> that's that's what I just keep refreshing on my screen every day, and hopefully that I can wish that into a reality. But you know, I think it's going to be 
they either get a playoff spot or they're going to be a fourth or fifth place team. Yeah, uh, I think you're right, though. It's going to be should be a fun ride. It looks like a heck of a division. It should be a good race. Josh, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the insights on the Angels. Yeah, thanks, man. Have, uh, make sure everyone checks out Halo 7. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention our uh, SB Nation sister site, Lookout Landing. If there's any if there's any Mariners fans out there that have yet to check out Lookout Landing, then do yourself a favor and go check out that site because they really do some of the best Mariners writing that you're going to find on the Internet. Absolutely. We're big fans. So, yeah, appreciate that shout-out. Oh, good. good stuff. And here it is from ESPN, Tim Kirchin. Out of the top of the fourth on a beautiful night here in Glendale, the Dodgers have taken a 2-0 lead and handed it to Clayton Kershaw as Danny Valencia leads off for the Mariners. And we're joined by Tim Kirchin of ESPN. And, Tim, as I was telling the guys during the inning break, I was so excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. But one, I can't think of another guy who, when I hear talk about baseball, sounds like they enjoy talking about baseball more than you. Well, thanks. This has been a part of our my life since I grew up. My dad loved baseball. This was the language we spoke in my house growing up. My two brothers are in the Baseball Hall of Fame at Catholic University. So this isn't something I got interested in after high school. And I went to Walter Johnson High School in Bethesda, Maryland, named after the greatest pitcher of all time. So this was kind of predestined that I was going to do something like this. Absolutely. Well, you, this has been a long day at the ballpark for you, which in your line of work I suppose is a good thing, uh, seeing both ends of the doubleheader here in Glendale and a chance to see the Mariners, I'm assuming, for the first time this spring? Well, I saw them earlier, but I saw them before they started playing games, and there's only so much you can learn watching, you know, PFP all, all morning. <laughs> so I figured I'd better come out and watch them play a game here, and I'm going to Florida tomorrow, so this is like my last shot to see some things, and I'll still never see enough, but... The goal is to see all 30 teams in spring training, and I've got a shot at it with my second trip to Florida coming up. Wow. This is a very busy travel time for you at this time of year. Tim, obviously you were doing the best that you could keeping up with the moves of Jerry DePoto this offseason. What did you make of the Mariners offseason? Well, as you can see from my notebook, I had to put down the roster to make sure <laughs> I knew all the moves that he made. The bottom line is I like what they did. And I think they're right in this division race. They're certainly in the wild card race. I think they have a chance to be better than last year. I've seen the Rangers. I've seen the Astros. I like them both, but neither one of those teams is great. they got starting pitching issues, both of those teams. And if those become... O'Neal with a towering bomb out to left field. And Tyler O'Neal goes over the umbrellas in left field <laughs> beyond the bullpen. He ties this game at two apiece on an absolute mammoth shot. I don't pretend to go to a lot of games in this park, but I'm not sure I see too many hit over the umbrellas out there. I don't think that I have either. <laughs> and it's funny because O'Neill, he had such a great year last year in Double A, and the organization leaving him there to give him an opportunity to try to win the Triple Crown. So he has some pop, but I like the fact that after he hit it, I mean, this is Clayton Kershaw. There's still a little hop, skip, and a jump on his way to first base. He has a lot of confidence in his game. Well, and he should. Now, he's like a bodybuilder guy. Is that the guy? His dad, yeah. His dad is, and he does some of the same things. So there's the strength we see, certainly from dad, hitting it over the umbrellas. (laughs) But goodness. Well, Kirchner's run differential is plus two so far. (laughs) Here is Carlos Ruiz. And he swings and chops one to third base. Sweeney plants his feet, 
Throws over to first base. Off the bag. Well off the bag. Van Slyke having to come charging down the line. That wasn't even close from Sweeney. That's an error. And the Mariners have a runner aboard as they've tied this game up. So you're saying, Tim, as uh, O'Neill rudely interrupted you with about a 500-foot home run, that you, you, are, you like the moves from Jerry this offseason. Yes, I love the depth of their starting pitching. Uh, with the move they made with Segura, they've got a very productive infield here. Um, I'm not sure how much the outfield's going to bring them, but it looks like they're going to have a lot of homers, and they're going to get really good starting pitching. they got a closer who's got dynamite stuff. So, again, I think they took a big step forward last year, and I think they're certainly capable of taking another big step forward and making the playoffs. What kind of impact do you think Gerard Dyson can have on this team? He's going to start in left field. Um, it probably be the first time in his career where he's going to get 450, 500 at-bats. Uh, with his speed, what, what, do you, what do you expect from him this well, year? Well, he can run just about as well as anyone in the big leagues. Maybe he doesn't beat Billy Hamilton or D. Gordon, but he can fly. And I like it when these guys are hungry and they say, all right, this is it. This is my chance to show everybody that I'm not just a fourth or a fifth outfielder. I'm not just a part-time guy. I can play every day. When you give a guy a chance like that, sometimes they just take it and run. And other times... It happens that you say, all right, now we know why he was a fourth or fifth outfield. My guess is <laughs> let's give him a chance and see what he can do. And with that kind of speed, with all this power around him, that could be pretty fun to watch. Tyler Smith is at the plate. He's got Ruiz at first. The pitch is chopped foul inside the Dodgers' third base dugout as the count goes to a ball and two strikes on Tyler Smith. Tim, I'll be, I'll be curious. I was disappointed to get here tonight and see that Corey Seager wasn't in the lineup. Um, obviously, I think I've seen just about every at-bat that Kyle Seeger has had. Um, well, Kyle Seeger, we know the star that Corey is, but where, where do you, what do you think of Kyle Seeger? What do you think about when you hear Kyle Seeger's name? Well, he's one of the most underrated players in the game. Uh, Rich Donnelly was your third base coach a couple years ago. Nobody knows Rich better than I do. And he called me out of the blue one day to say, just to, just to say, does everyone understand how good this guy is? Because I just watched him for the first two months of the season. And he is really, really good. I'm not sure that the country truly understands how productive he can be, but he's still a young guy, and he's had a pretty nice track record that he's built, and I think he only gets better from here. And with the protection in this lineup, he should be getting better. And that's, that's really encouraging for Mariner fans. How good is his brother, Corey? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> his brother, uh, I watched his brother come up, Here's the pitch, swinging a broken bat squibber from O'Malley to third base on a second for one. No throw to first. I watched his brother come up, you know, right, you know, first time in the big leagues, and he hung in there on left-handed pitching about as well as any young left-handed hitter I'd seen, and that was a real eye-opener for me. And by the time they got to the playoffs, and he played like 14 games in the big leagues, by the time he got to the playoffs that year, Adrian Gonzalez was the only hitter on their team that was better than him. That's how quickly Corey Seager came. Then you look at the numbers he put up last year, and you just look how big he is. That's what I tell people all the time who don't aren't around baseball. When you meet these players, the first thing that almost always comes to mind is he's bigger than I thought he was. <laughs> and if Corey Seager walks in a room, you say, wow, he's big. And number two, wow, he's a shortstop. And both of those are really impressive. We keep waiting for the Seeger parents to put out instructional videos. <laughs> Justin Seeger, a Mariner's farmhand. You've already covered the other two brothers. I mean, that is a, that's a pretty good household and probably a lot of food consumed on Thanksgiving between uh, all those guys. Right. We're, we're all tied up. Two outs, a runner at first base, top of the fourth. Here's the pitch. Swing, and it almost takes Kershaw's head off. Diving attempt made by Forsyth at second. 
Can't get to it. It skims into center field. O'Malley goes first to third as Joe DiCarlo comes up with a hit against Clayton Kershaw. With two outs, the Mariners have runners on the corners. They have tied this game up on the biggest home run this spring by any Mariners hitter. Maybe by any hitter in Arizona also. Now, we saw Mitch Hanniger take one out almost that deep, believe it or not, in this very ballpark. Uh, But Tyler O'Neill going over the umbrellas in the uh, picnic, the patio (laughs) section above the left field bullpen as we continue our chat with Tim Kirchner right. of ESPN. And Hanniger obviously is a real key to this team. I mean, you look at his offensive numbers last year, pretty darn impressive. People have told me, scouts, he reminds them of Josh Donaldson at the plate, leg, high leg kick, that type of thing. And if he, of course, is really productive, then suddenly that outfield, are they going to hit or not, that changes dramatically. Radio Escano swings and pops it up. Over to the shortstop, Culberson, just inside the line in shadow left field for out number three. The Mariners have tied it up on Tyler O'Neill's blast out to left field. Tim Kirchens with ESPN. He's going to stay with us. We go to the bottom of the fourth inning, all tied at two. Ariel Miranda's night has come to a close. Three innings, three walks, four strikeouts. Gives up a couple of runs. He gives way to Max Povesey. He will work the bottom of the fourth inning. Mariners and the Dodgers all tied at two apiece. Thanks to Tyler O'Neill's two-run homer. And the top of the fourth, Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Blowers, joined once again by Tim Kirchin of ESPN. And for me, I was thinking about it when Tim first started talking about seeing the Mariners early in camp, and now he gets a chance to see this game before he has to get on a plane and go to Florida <laughs> tomorrow. And he has so many things that he's covering and trying to cover, and I was thinking how difficult that must be in general. But then you have a year like this year where you have the World Baseball Classic, and teams are split up all over the place. One, how difficult is that for you to cover and do your job? And two, do you think that the World Baseball Classic is working? Well, it makes my job a little harder, but you won't see me complaining when I'm wearing a pair of shorts for 12 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) But when I went in to see, for instance, Andrelton Simmons, well, the Angels the other day, I said, good, I get to see Simmons, and I'll talk to him about working with Danny Espinosa. And then I got there, and I realized he's not here. (laughs) He's at the WBC. This happens all the time. But, Mike, to answer your question, I think it works because of the national national pride from the countries more so than the United States. That Dominican team is really, really good. And the pride they take, the Cuban team, the Japanese team, this is really important to them. And the level of play is exceptionally high so far. And therefore, all of that is good. But there's no way around this. I saw the Brewers yesterday, and they want to get Jonathan VR moved to second base and move with the, and work with their new shortstop, and he won't be in camp for most of the time. So it causes problems for the Major League team. There is no way around that, but it does build the game globally. And what it also does is it allows us to get a better look at some of the young players. For instance, the Pirates outfield is all gone to the WBC. But they have a kid named Austin Meadows, who's a great prospect. And he's going to get to play a lot this spring because they don't have any of the regular outfielders. (laughs) So at least now the Pirates can look at him in a more extended way. And when maybe June comes around and there's an injury, they can say, you know, we saw enough of him in spring training to think he's ready now. That's the that's a good part of it, but the best part is, is again, when these guys are playing for national pride, uh, I think that means a lot, and it should. Along the lines of the WBC, Felix Hernandez pitching for Team Venezuela. Last year, on your network's airwaves, the nation finally got a chance to see Felix in primetime, Sunday night baseball game at Wrigley Field against the Chicago Cubs. Felix and Chris Sale, the two most accomplished right now current Major League pitchers to not pitch in the postseason. Hopefully that changes this year for Felix and the Mariners. But when you think about Felix Hernandez, what do you think of? 
Well, the first thing I think of is he's a future Hall of Famer. But I all there are no buts. He's been sensational to this point. But like so many other pitchers at this age now, with this many innings in that shoulder, how much more does he have? And how is he going to reinvent himself to a slighter degree and get people out without that just devastating stuff that he had when he was 22 years old? That's a big question. But I... I, I really have enjoyed watching him and being around him, and I was whispered to by someone with the Mariners that he's got a little chip on his shoulder this spring, There's that no people doubt. are questioning him, and he's not very happy about that, and I think that's great for a guy his age that he says, all right, you think I'm done as a great pitcher? You watch me this year. I am called the king after all. <laughs> <laughs> One out as Trace Thompson strikes out, first victim faced by Max Povesy here is Darnell Sweeney, the third baseman, batting seventh. Mariners and Dodgers all tied up. We continue our conversation with Tim Kirchin of ESPN. Tim, Edgar Martinez, second year is the Mar- second full season as the Mariners hitting coach. On August 12th of this season, we'll have his number retired at Safeco Field. It'll be just the third number retired at Safeco Field with Jackie Robinson being one of the three. Ken Griffey Jr., of course, the second. What do you make of Edgar Martinez and the enormous gains that he made in the Hall of Fame voting coming into this season. Look, I'm sorry, guys. I just don't understand why he's not in already. No I, need to apologize for I that. I vote for him every year. Play booted over at first base with one out. Sweeney is aboard at first. He's a 300, 400, 500 guy for his career. There are like 18 of those guys in history. Then when you take those specific numbers and try to find people that have a higher average, a higher on base, and a higher slugging than him, there are like seven guys in Major League history that have better numbers than him. And I covered baseball significantly at the time of his prime. And, Mike, you know this. Mm -hmm. When you ask people, like, who are the best hitters in the American League? And Edgar Martinez's name always came up. Obviously, it hurt he didn't do much, didn't get a chance in the playoffs. Obviously, it hurt that he's a DH. I don't hold that against him. To me, when we talk about David Ortiz being a Hall of Famer, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. But if David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, then Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. And I am not holding it against him that he was a DH. Because if we didn't have the DH, he would have played third base or first base. He might not have been particularly good at it. But we put... You know, subpar defensive players in the Hall of Fame all the time. The numbers are there. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm happy that at least he's going to get his number retired. Runner taken off to second base. We're just going to let that marinate for a minute. Let <laughs> all the good people in the Northwest to really let that wash over them, Tim, because, they, of course, you're singing the song that everybody back home is as well. Yeah, but, you know, the, the whole Hall of Fame voting procedure – we're not going to go into that here because it's like a 12-hour discussion. But <laughs> Well, this is a spring training game. I know, right. <laughs> and we might be here for 12. Uh, it's just really difficult to get 75% of the vote. That's pretty obvious now. And with so many guys on the ballot, I mean, I, I look, and they're, they're well over 10 guys to me who have Hall of Fame credentials. And that works against Edgar that every year more guys are coming up that you look at and say, you know, Randy Johnson's got to be in the Hall of Fame. Pedro Martinez, Tom Lavin, Greg Maddox, this is all just in recent years. That hurts him that there's been such a rush of great players going in. A lot of people saying Edgar is the next Tim Raines from the standpoint of getting lots of momentum late and in his final year has a good chance to go in. Do you see a similarity there? Yeah, I hope so because our 
our stat guys, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, are really good at this. And they can take somebody and show people more accurately how good a player he was. And that, to me, is why Tim Raines got in. That's why Burt Blylevin finally got in. But I don't think Edgar Martinez needs any sabermetric help, help here. Just look at the raw numbers, which I've already said, and just look at that career batting average and the times he got on base. To me, there's not even a doubt. But he may need all 10 years, but I'm hoping he'll get the boost, you're right, that Tim Raines did. Tim Kirchner of ESPN is our guest. Assault on base by Sweeney. One out. Sweeney in scoring position. We're all tied at two. Bottom of the fourth inning. Scott Service, Tim, is going into his second season as a major league skipper. Had no managerial experience before being hired by Jerry DePoto. What are your memories of Scott, uh, both as a player, a longtime major league catcher for about a decade, and, and of course now uh, as a major league manager? Yeah, I remember him as a very smart catcher, which is always helpful when you go to manage catching. You see the whole game in front of you when no one else really does. I remember talking to him pretty much at this time last year and I was really taken by how comfortable he was with what he was doing and he looked me right in the eye and he said this is what here's a pitch swinging a soft chopper to the shortstop O'Malley gloves fires a heater over to first base in time for round number two he told me this is what I've wanted to do my whole life he said when I was 10 years old I wanted to manage in the big leagues and you know most guys at 10 of course want to play which he did of course but he said, this is a childhood dream of mine to manage in the big leagues. And then I spoke to him again privately this year. And he went through some things that he had to go through last year as a first-year manager. A couple guys not playing hard, had to handle some things within. And I think he's even more comfortable this, this year. And I think the fact that he played as long as he did and had some ups and downs as a player, so I think he can appreciate the good and the bad. Um, I think they're in very, very capable hands with him. Clayton Kershaw now the batter with two outs and Sweeney at third base. Mariners and the Dodgers tied at two here in the bottom of the fourth inning. Had the Mariners made the postseason last year, the Mariners obviously were very, very close. You have to figure that Robinson Cano would have had serious candidacy as the American League MVP. Might not have won it, of course. Uh, Trout's numbers were ridiculous even though playing for one of the worst teams in baseball, but what did you make of Cano last season, one of his best years of his career, and that's saying something for a guy who's on his path to Cooperstown. Right, and again, it just shows what health matters, how much it matters, that maybe the year before he just wasn't healthy enough to be the really good one, but he was last year. Weak ground ball to O'Malley off the bat at Kershaw. O'Malley handles it smoothly, throws on to first for round number three. Tim Kirchin. Man, this has been a treat. Thank you so much for coming by. Well, thanks. I'm going to go to the airport. My flight's at 5 in the morning, so I'm going to leave now, okay, <laughs> just so I don't miss it. But thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tim Kirchner of ESPN Mariners and the Dodgers tied at four. Pardon me, tied at two through four innings. See you later!